Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. Hey, this is Josh. It is Tuesday, March 15th. 2022 we're blasting through the month already mid-month two days till st patrick's day which i guess will already have happened wait is one one is that thursday okay so maybe maybe you'll be listening to this on st patrick's day if you're listening to these back to back with last week last week we talked about the shamrock shake grimace <laughs> that blew my mind because yeah. somehow it was completely out of my pop culture reference even though i think i was a tiny little kid when that happened yeah you must you were alive when they were using that character who we haven't confirmed that his name was seamus but it's <laughs> no. like uh uncle ogrimis is that what it was ogrimis uncle ogrimisy yeah yeah and i swear i have a memory of him being called seamus ogrimisy which i'm sure you'd have no problem believing that so well even the footage online was like finding found footage in a horror movie there was nothing there no that one ad that he's in is terrifying like it's yeah. it's <laughs> like just in quality and content but just it looks like something that you would see you know ripped off of a third generation vhs tape or yeah. something it's funny that kind of stuff because we live in an age where everything is saved but then there's still old commercials or tv shows of a certain era i was just listening to michael Caine's latest autobiography and it was really good and fun to listen to because it's Michael Caine reading the thing. Mm -hmm. But he was saying he tried to go back to BBC because he did a couple of those essentially live-to-tape stage shows mm -hmm. in his youth. And they were like, oh, sorry, sir, they're gone. We taped over them. The awkward temp is sent to talk to him. Oh, Mr. Caine. <laughs> yeah. We 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 had to tape that football game and we didn't have any more tape so it was like a standard Doctor Who scenario I guess they yeah. just taped over it with other what they would think is better stuff at the time so if they're not saving Michael Caine's young stage work they're totally not saving Oh Grimacy's commercials no I know, like I wonder how many commercials he was even in because like how much. What do you get out of that character other than, I don't know, three different bits? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, still, you know, whoa, hey, still here for me shakes. You know, like it just seems. But, but of course, because of the Internet, you can get an Ogrimacy T-shirt. Oh, yeah, that's true. And like probably not just one either. I imagine there's there are multiple. That was the first thing that popped up is those crazy <laughs> nerd sites that just. I mean, technically McDonald's could sue them, but they probably don't true. even notice. I always think about that, about those type of things, because it's not even parody it's it's mm -hmm. just totally taking something that's not theirs and slapping it on a t-shirt and selling it for 20 bucks online yeah. i mean in a way it's parody in a different way because they were essentially whether it was on purpose or not they're parodying all irish people <laughs> yeah but you know yeah like it would be nice if they leaned into that tvo is done and cbc is done with some of these older characters like or kids shows type stuff mr i was gonna say professor dress up mr <laughs> dress up you know he was a he was a professor of sorts well, and this is another thing, bizarrely on the McDonald's track, but also on that lost track. I was listening to a retroist podcast and they were talking about the Mac Tonight line. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which insanely was superstar Doug Jones. Right. His first gig. Oh, yeah, I was, forgot. He did, and unlike O'Grimacy, he did 30 or 40 of these commercials <laughs> and then only had to stop because he started getting other work. And then the character went away. But the star of Star Trek Discovery and Shape of Water and Hellboy is shoved into that moon head if you watch any of those old commercials. Man, that's an amazing way to start your career and like such a harbinger for what you would end up doing. <laughs> yeah. But maybe not. Well, I was going to say maybe not a highlight, but like I feel like for some people that would be the highlight of his career. <laughs> well, and he's such a funny guy. I've heard him talk about it. He's such a nice guy. Is that he looks back on that 
very lovingly because he was like, I was a young, starving actor and I got this gig and I got to do a bunch of these commercials. And he probably, I don't know if he's a meat eater, but he probably got a lot of free McDonald's out of it. That kind of reminds me of Brian Cranston had worked on Alligator, like the 1980 classic. He was just like a behind the scenes, not even effects guy. Like I think he put guts in a fake alligator mouth and stuff like that. But they were able to get him as an extra on the new Blu-ray. Like Screen Factory just put it out for the first time. I mean, there was a DVD, but this is the first time Blu-ray or a real release they got brian granson to do like a 20 plus minute interview about putting guts in this old alligator and it's just like i love so much about that it's not even funny you could always tell he's a nice guy and very humble but to be like oh hell yeah i'll talk about the time that i put a bunch of stuff in this alligator head you know and then <laughs> ended up being a massive star afterwards brian granson seems like the coolest because he also did that great cameo in disaster artist mm-hmm. In his younger days, he was on Power Rangers, <laughs> and in the most recent Power Ranger reboot movie, he's in it, one of the voiceovers in it. So he clearly is very appreciative of his past to go back and do alligator Blu-rays and Power Ranger <laughs> movies when he's this Oscar-nominated and TV superstar. It's a shame, because so many people just kind of eschew that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, how I think we talked about it before, like, how awesome would it be if... Jeez, uh, I was going to say John Carpenter. Not John Carpenter. Um, But, ah, uh, shoot. The Abyss, you know, in Titanic. James Cameron. James Cameron. I'm like, why am I? I'm like, John Carpenter. John Carpenter in my head. Anyway, James Cameron, to get him to do like, an audio commentary on Piranha 2 would just be incredible. But, you know... He's just not the kind of guy who's ever really going to no. acknowledge that. I get that, too. You know, you don't. it's not like you have to. But just to see something like Cranston doing that for such a lesser thing, it just makes you wish there'd be more people who would embrace, like, like a McConaughey, you know, Texas Chainsaw 4 commentary or something like that. Yeah, and anytime an actor or a filmmaker steps away from something like that, it's understandable. You want to do different things, but they always regret it. Mm-hmm. And I just know, for example, the actor... Chris Eccleston, who only did one season of Doctor Who, and he left. He wasn't fired. He left. Yeah. Then he had a couple of opportunities to do cameos or come back. And only recently he was like, yeah, I was a dumb actor. I should have had more fun with that. I apologize. And supposedly now he's really good with fans and everything. But often like that, somebody will walk away from a franchise or kind of turn the other way on their early career. And then much later they go, oh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and it's funny the amount of, you know, I mean, requels or reboots or whatever we're calling anything these days. But just I remember thinking like, you know, when we were growing up and like occasionally you'd be like, I wonder what Mark Hamill's doing now or something like that. And it's funny, these people who did stay well alive, first of all, but did stay in shape, stayed acting, stayed enough to be able to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to bring this back. And now you're in it again. And we're honoring these roles. I remember for a while there, you're just sort of like, oh, we're never going to see them again or whoever. And now we're getting like, you know, Halloween and Texas Chainsaw do a degree, but not quite the same thing, but just bringing back these characters and these actors. And it's, it's such a wild thing now that that's the thing. We're just like, oh, this is a thing that was liked. Oh, you're still alive. Oh, people still like you. Okay, we're doing a thing around you and some new young people as well. It's pretty wild. Well, especially now, and not even new, but say the last 20 years, filmmakers have been really good about taking care of their own. Where once upon a time, someone might get typecast and then their career just gets totally screwed up. But now, the first example I always think of is Christopher Lee. Where in Christopher Lee's golden years, he got to be in The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and various Tim Burton movies and a bunch of other stuff because all of these filmmakers really appreciated Christopher Lee. 
And now Mark Hamill isn't as old as Christopher Lee was at that point. And his career has always been just fine. You look at all the work he did on Batman and Mm -hmm. all the work he did on voiceovers and all that kind of stuff in that era between Star Wars and Star Wars. And he did Broadway. He did all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But now he's in Mike Flanagan's new miniseries. He's showing up in stuff like Child's Play and The Dark Crystal. What We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows, he was brilliant. (laughs) And so you see that, though, people really taking care of their own. You see that a lot on TV shows, too, where you got, like, the guy who played Flash in the 90s coming back and playing a different Flash. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, or Keaton. Or Keaton, obviously. Yeah, for sure. Because you see the worst of typecasting back in the day where Henry Winkler did fine for himself but had to turn to producing for a long time and did all kinds of big stuff like MacGyver. He made a paycheck, but because he couldn't get a job because people were like, no, you're Fonzie. Yeah. And he was making all that residual money off of the reruns of that. But for the longest time, he couldn't get a job. And he's a great actor, and we see that now that he's mm-hmm. a great actor. And Mark Hamill did The Giver, which is not quite the same as yeah. MacGyver, but like, <laughs> still, that could really throw you off if you were a kid. And you were like, I love MacGyver. You're like, here you go, MacGyver. You're like, that's not the same thing. That's not the same guy. And I also love him in Body Bags, partially directed by John Carpenter, you know, so we can bring it back to the Carpenter thing, and this was all on purpose. I actually find it fascinating to see, especially uh, Mark Hamill, you know, that sweet spot between, you know, like 78 to... I don't know, 96 or something where he's just in this random, you know, and a lot of like direct to video genre type stuff. But it's so fascinating now, now that you're like, oh, he's okay. And he's the best guy and we love him and he's not wanting for anything. So now I can go back and enjoy this stuff that's like not great, shall we say, (laughs) but it's just like really fascinating. Like I find anything is elevated by having Mark Hamill in it, even if it's mid-career Mark Hamill, that's kind of like, ah, geez, I miss Star Wars. Well, especially... The Batman era, the animated series era, Mm -hmm. where he was doing Joker and a bunch of other cartoons as well. He beat out Tim Curry and Crispin Glover for that part. There's stories of him walking in the room and people going, Mark Hamill's auditioning for Joker? What? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And one of the co-creators, Paul Dini, had said he was in the room for the audition and that Mark Hamill was just terrifying. And they were like, oh, yeah, you're it. Done. Yeah, like, I can't even, because now it just seems so, you're so used to it. But yeah. back then, it, and even, like, his Chucky was so good and, like, made that movie, frankly. Chucky's my go-to example now of, I think it's nice when John Carpenter gives his blessing to the new Halloween. And not only that, but does the score for it. Because I think John's kind of at the age where, unless they really peer pressure him into it, I think he really likes doing music. He mm. likes doing scores. I found out he did the score for the new weird Foo Fighters horror movie. Oh, jeez. I didn't know that. Yeah, I just found that out. So he is fine with that, clearly. He, yeah. he likes that world. Because when the creator of Child's Play wasn't involved with the Mark Hamill Chucky, mm-hmm. I get it. But then I'm watching that, and I'm like, I mean, no disrespect, but I think this is my favorite Chucky, and you should have been an executive producer on this because it's pretty cool. Yeah, and even to just be like... I'm interested, you know, you know, it's a boilerplate response. I'm interested in seeing, you know, what they do with this universe or this character or whatever, you know, like uh, some standard type comment that you make where you just like read between the lines. You're basically like, I wanted nothing to do with this and yeah. I'll take a paycheck. But I, you know, I respect it both ways too, because like, I get that you want it to just be your thing, your universe, and that's it. And you don't own the title or whatever. And so they can do what they want. But yeah, it, it is kind of interesting to see that from both sides, because like, I think he was hoping it would crash and burn and just be complete garbage and a lot of people were gonna think it was no matter what because they just didn't want it to exist but 
it's funny like there's there are a lot of us who really liked it and just were shocked to have liked it so much and it's like yeah. why can't we enjoy both universes it's the most backhanded of compliments of like <laughs> wow i was going to go see you no matter what but i really enjoyed that yeah like this the cast and like they were just i was really blown away honestly by that movie and i just i liked most of the chuckies you know i don't love all of them but i definitely uh i could enjoy it for a completely different wavelength and it's funny how nowadays still people get mad about sequels and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you remember back in the day, there was Poltergeist 2, 3, 4, and Jaws 2, 3, 4, and mm -hmm. Planet of the Apes 2, 3, 4. This is nothing new. This is the same thing. You cannot watch it. That's totally fine. But this is what the system does. Mm -hmm. And that they can do it well, I'm all for it. And then anyone who says there's not enough original content... You're crazy. Yeah, you, you're no. not trying hard enough because there is. Even big movies, there's a lot of Marvel stuff, but there's still original movies out there. Yeah, and, and there's some stuff like you don't even hear about. I just found out, like, and this doesn't, it's not like I would have watched this, but I just found out there was a Babysitter's Club series on Netflix that yeah. had two <laughs> seasons and then got canceled. And people only heard of it when it got canceled. I wouldn't have watched that, but I'm just like, that's a huge title from our childhood. I mean, not, and again, I didn't read it, but it was like, you know, Hardy Boys, there. Babysitter's yeah, yeah, yeah. Club, all that. And so it's just kind of funny to be like, oh, that was a thing. And now all these people are upset because they didn't know it existed, but now it doesn't <laughs> anymore. And I was like, well, whose fault is any of this anymore? That happens all the time. We have too much content because something will come and go and it's gone. Like it's canceled. And then you're like, Oh, I would watch that. And the poor creators are like, oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, as long as something finds an audience eventually, that's better than it never finding one, even if it means, oh, it's been canceled for five, ten years and you just now liked it. But I mean, there were so many of those like single season runs of things that back in the upfall. I mean, forever, oh, my I guess. God. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's so funny, like this really good quality content or stuff like Dead Like Me or whatever that didn't really last as long as it could have. It's just too hard because it's just even then there was too much content content and now we're just like trying to catch up and never will <laughs> there was a short-lived show very short-lived i can't even remember maybe 10 episodes but it was jj abrams produced starring sam neill and the dude who played hurley on lost <laughs> and it was called alcatraz oh okay and it yes. was like a timey-wimey people are showing up from the past and it's evolved around the island in alcatraz yeah. in san francisco it's been a while since i've seen it but the last episode, which was, I think, supposed to be like the mid-season cliffhanger kind of thing. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Had five great cliffhangers. Someone was shot. A bad guy showed up. And I remember turning to Gwen and going, I bet you this show's going to get canceled. And it totally got canceled. Man. And we're never going to find out any of that. And I, even to this day, even though it's been years, I'm like, can you do like a one-shot comic book or something? Yeah. Just anything to a novelization? Because... I want to know what was going on on Alcatraz. And if I ever meet J.J. Abrams, I'm probably not going to ask about Star Wars or Star Trek <laughs> or Super 8. I'm going to be like, how are you going to end Alcatraz? Do you know? But now you're a big shot comic guy. You could just write that story. I Same mean... thing happened with Last Man on Earth. Oh, yeah. Where it ends and that... you're like, what? <laughs> well, you got a couple seasons out of that at least. Like, yeah. I mean, that was at least four, if not five. Uh, I... Three or four. Yeah. yeah but I... again, it ended on a 
we're coming back type yeah. of note and it did not come back that was that was kind of a weird show like i watched the first two seasons for sure and then around the time that there was it wasn't a meteorite but it was like i guess his like brother oh, yeah. or something yeah, yeah, yeah. was an astronaut and yep it just it got <laughs> kind of wild the craziest thing about that show is like i was watching it concurrently with better call saul and the one guy, the bigger dude oh, with yeah. the mustache, he's on yeah. both shows. And it's such a weird, because they're totally different characters and different shows. And I remember being like, man, this guy is living his best life right now. It's funny. It's like recently, to get on track with Mayfair stuff, Sure. <laughs> um, I watched both Nightmare Alley and Licorice Pizza. Oh, right. Let's say we're talking about the week of March 18th to 24th now. First up, Licorice Pizza is coming back. So this is great. <laughs> we got a bunch of movies coming back. So I've actually seen these, so I can actually oh, comment on these. So Bradley Cooper has this amazing, bigger than cameo kind of supporting part as a crazy actor in Licorice Pizza. And his role in Nightmare Alley is completely opposite. And you look at him, or just myself look at him and go like, oh yeah, you're not just handsome, you're an actual really good actor. <laughs> and especially seeing two things back to back like mm-hmm. that. So sometimes you see a character actor or a mainstream superstar, and you see them act, and you're like, Oh, yeah, it is a learned skill of a profession and a talent. You're not just reading cue cards. Yeah, and I mean, kind of like the Affleck-itis, you know, where you think you're like, oh, this is just some handsome guy who's just saying lines. You know? But then once they actually dig into more material or, or better material, then you're like, well, wait, you're actually good. Or it's a good example of typecasting where once upon a time, someone like Will Smith never would have got out of sitcom land. Mm-hmm. And now he's routinely in oscar-type movies or big hit movies or whatever and i remember when bad boys came out and that was kind of like oh is this gonna work is he gonna be able to make it as a movie star or or a lead actor kind of thing and now they've made several big budget sequels to that okay so did you see licorice pizza yes you did okay so what i find interesting about this year just of some of the other movies i've seen like the worst person in the world and drive my car which are three movies we're screening this week nice all comebacks all second weeks for all these movies Lee made a joke. He emailed me as he was cobbling this together. And he goes, we can just keep on showing Oscar-type movies for weeks. And it's a little bit more boring because it's the same movies we're screening. (laughs) But they just keep on garnering attention and selling tickets. These movies, and I haven't seen Power the Dog, but I understand that's kind of similar as well. They're not traditional Hollywood three-act structures, a villain, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And Licorice Pizza is very akin to Boogie Nights. But a little lighter, a little more fun, still has some drama in there. But the audience I saw it with last Saturday night loved it, Mm -hmm. like clapped at the end and stuff. (laughs) And it's a simple movie, but I just found the characters were so good. Yeah. Every character. Maya Rudolph, who doesn't do anything. She's in it for 45 (laughs) seconds. And she's good, you know? So that's what I thought was impressive about the movie. Yeah, it's one of those movies that kind of washes over you. It's not like you're just watching a movie. It's like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just, it's happening and it's right. And that's the way it should be happening. And and it's just, it's natural, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and it moves along. Mm -hmm. Because you're like, oh, the kid's an actor. Oh, the kid's opening a business. Oh, here's this new character. Like, it just goes. Yeah, it makes you feel bad about yourself, though, because you're like, this kid has (laughs) so much drive. He's accomplished more in 20 minutes than I have in 40 years. And I thought Tom Waits' character, and I often think this about Tom Waits, I think they were just shooting, and Tom Waits wandered onto the set (laughs) and started giving a speech because it just seemed so Tom Mm Waits-y. A weird movie to pitch or explain, but just this... Filled with weird characters in California in 1973, 
kind of a romance, but not really. Filled with lots of great music and mm -hmm. an arcade, an early arcade. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it, obviously not something that gets made unless you're someone with clout and money and get to make whatever you want. Yeah, I'll, I'll note that, too. I looked up just out of curiosity because we were talking about the oh, Paul yeah. Andersons last week. <laughs> This should be a documentary. I think with both them in it, I think they both be interesting uh, to so. chat with. So in 25 years, PTA has made nine movies, which have made $300 million total. Which sounds like a lot. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, sure. PWSA has made 12 movies <laughs> that have made almost $1.7 Yeah. So Paul Thomas is an 11-time Oscar nominee mm -hmm. and well-renowned and a critic darling. But Paul W.S. has made $1.7 at the box office. And if you look at those movies, his movies routinely are all profitable. Mm -hmm. Whereas Paul Thomas, I think it's Boogie Nights and There Will Be Blood. Yeah. Two out of nine. And the other ones aren't just little flops, yeah. but it's like Punch Drunk Love cost $40 million, made five. Wow. And even this one, which again, it's we can't be included in the pie chart because we're like, oh, wow, we did really well with Licorice Pizza for a couple weeks. But that made this tiny bit of money, <laughs> and on the whole planet, it didn't make much more. No, and I could see you could, the budget's on screen, obviously. Like when you're doing a period piece like that, and you're oh having to get all the cars and whatever the hell, yeah. you know, like you could definitely tell it took a lot of a labor of love. There's no other way to say it. And it's not a big budget, but I think it cost forty million. Yeah, and it doesn't look like it's going to make back that money. But then you got to think the long run, digital TV, this, that, whatever. He makes small enough movies that he just gets to keep going. Yeah, it's a bit hard to market as well. The title means nothing to so many people. And so it's yeah. just like, if you just saw that and a description, you'd just be like, what? What is this? Well, like, not only that, Licorice Pizza is never mentioned in the movie. No. Not once. And you wouldn't know. I heard somewhere, like just from reading about it, what it's a reference to, like a record store. But yeah. they never mention it. And you're just supposed to, I think like people of a certain era of a certain country of a certain town yeah who recognized the title immediately and the rest of us are like wow that doesn't sound tasty at all but i was waiting for a scene where they were going to buy a record at licorice pizza or walking by it <laughs> even anything, and i'm anything. like i thought maybe we could you know that's where the budget stopped you're like yeah. well we can't recreate <laughs> we that. ran out it's too much but it's true every truck every piece of clothing every retro pinball machine every little thing in the house that's why you look at it and you're like oh my god just so much easier filming a movie taking place today yeah. because you don't got to worry about that cereal box in the background or the coke can that they're holding so much work yeah probably no. more work than doing like a sci-fi movie yeah and it's i mean that's why you get so many of the like zombie post-apocalyptic but not with broken stuff all around type yeah. movies because you're like ah, we can't afford to do that every time i see a 1973 pepsi bottle or lucky charms box in a movie I'm like, wow, is that real or did they recreate it? Yeah. Is there a warehouse in Hollywood where they have old cereal boxes that you could Ooh, rent? I guess there must be. Although it would make a lot more sense to have it just be like just a, make a reprint or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like a 3D printed yeah. Lucky Charms <laughs> box. This is what we use technology for. So as mentioned, Licorice Pizza, Worst Person in the World, and Drive My Car are all back for Encore Weeks. I really enjoyed all three of these movies. The Worst Person in the World... Again, it's a wash over you movie. Mm -hmm. Online, somebody said it was a movie about someone who had an affair. And you can't say that. It's a movie about a young woman finding her place in the world and having romances. And there is an affair, but there's also career stuff and family stuff. 
giving it that one little sentence makes it sound like it's going to be like, that's the movie. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, no, no, no. It's this big, complicated movie filled with really interesting kind of special effects as well. And the actress just knocks it out of the park. I really loved it. And I get uncomfortable watching affair movies the way people get watching horror movies. Oh, God. I, do, I get really uncomfortable. But this one, I really found the character so endearing. And it's that thing of like, in real life, there's no such thing as a good guy, bad guy, black and white. Like mm-hmm. everybody has their flaws. And this movie really did that really well. So that was really good for that. And then Drive My Car is this three-hour character piece movie kind of about people putting on a play, kind of about actors, but again, more complicated than that. I'm imagining you watching that movie, The Wife. Remember that oh one? Oh my God, that, Which yeah. was Oscar nominated too, I believe. So it's sort of half has to do with what I'm talking about now. But just, <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, that's another one where you probably be like, the description is probably an affair, you know, the yeah. same an affair. But you're like, there's more to it. I never did see the movie, but I worked it a few times. I remember like choice scenes of them yelling at each other. And I'm like, oh, that sounds uncomfortable. And I've never seen... What was it called? The one with Demi Moore and Woody Harrelson and Robert Redford? Oh, man. Yeah. Where he like pays to have an affair with her, essentially? Yeah. I used to have the answer to that. I never watched it. No. So that one, and that was a big movie, like (laughs) a big mainstream, successful Hollywood movie with great actors in it and i was just like ah that's too uncomfortable for me i don't want to watch that they even spoofed it in the simpsons you know oh yeah yeah yeah. but and yet i can never that's funny i don't feel bad not remembering that no i feel bad not remembering james cameron's uh, name for a minute there but not that i remembered john carpenter instead because he's great so i like doing that every once in a while just so whoever's listening can be screaming at us the answer (laughs) because we're too lazy we're too in the moment to look it up online. We're That's just like, no, nah, we're going to keep talking. I could check on my phone right now, but I'm like, an indecent proposal. Yeah. Bam. Oh, my God. Oh, that's hilarious. So I, was... I haven't watched that movie the same way that somebody hasn't watched Texas Chainsaw because I just squirm too much. And I have a friend who doesn't like that kind of the office comedy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, which my I wife totally is like get. that. So we all have our weird little movie phobias of what we won't watch you know i can't and i you were the proof i did not look that up i just you for some it. reason <laughs> as if i remember that and i still wouldn't have remembered james cameron but i remembered <laughs> this movie i didn't see so that's three the fourth oscar nominated film oh. we have is an ottawa premiere called writing with fire it's from india and it's about a group of women journalists in a world in a place right where being a woman is difficult enough these heroes, mm. it looks really good. It has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. And it won two awards at Sundance and is up for Best Documentary at the Academy Awards this year. So that's our new film this week. If you happen to have seen all these movies we're bringing back, here's something new for you to watch. Yeah, that sounds intense. It looks really good, but it doesn't look like... It just looks like a really interesting character piece with these women opening up these packages and learning smartphones and computers and all oh. this stuff and just being brave on the front lines and asking these stupid men questions. Yeah, I would have, I don't know. I don't know if I would have the guts to do that. So I have a lot of respect for anyone yeah, who's- I don't have the guts to do that here. Yeah. And I'm a middle-aged white guy. Right, that's the thing. <laughs> I'm like, that, that, that's the thing where, you know, you talk about, you know, you don't want to get political, but you're just like, you know, you have people here upset and you're like, hey, look what anyone else is dealing with at other places where it's like, 100%. you would never do that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I at least have the wherewithal to know my limits, I guess. Somebody was just talking about not liking the certain taste of water and then she instantly and funnily guilt tripped herself and was like 
oh, I'm living in a place that has water. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to shut up now. You yeah, know? that's the thing. Because I have heard wherever you go, water will taste different to you because you're used to the water that you have on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. But the idea that we have clean, clear drinking water is <laughs> yeah. so insane and amazing and a whole yeah. other story. Uh, and then our retro movie this week is the black exploitation classic starring Pam Greer, Coffee. Oh, yeah. And that's from 1973. So we're screening that. And then next week we have Foxy Brown and a new movie called Alice, which is black exploitation esque So we have a little bit of a kind of a mini film fest going. And I like that Kofi came out or Kofi. Why did I say Kofi? That was weird. <laughs> that's not at all. I think it's because in that movie Hardball with uh, Keanu Reeves, you know, there's a character named Kofi. Oh. And so it's sometimes every time I see Kofi, like the movie title, yeah. I, I think Kofi, and I'm like, that's not, why am I doing this? Of all movies, a movie yeah. that no one has seen yeah. or remembers. But but I was going to say, it's funny that that came out the year that Licorice Pizza is set in. Oh, wow, yeah. So that's, Oh, in Licorice Pizza, is there a coffee poster in the background I think, somewhere? I want to say yes, but I've already said the name of the movie wrong, so I should not be trusted. I gotta look this up now. That just flashed through my brain as soon as you said that, that maybe they walk by a movie theater, or maybe they're in a store or yeah. something. Or like a marquee or something. Uh, like, I got to ask the internet later because that'd be a fun little crossover. It would make sense. Like, I mean, yeah. like that was a big movie. That was that year. Man. And the movie takes place, Licorice Pizza takes place in California. Right. Where even back in the day when they were rolling out movies like a band where you'd mm-hmm. go city to city, you would think it would be there first. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Also, okay. it's kind of fun. Yeah. Because so you could watch, I don't know what order you could do those things in, but you could watch the one and then be like, I'm still in the setting for this other one. That's totally true. Yeah. So this week, come see Licorice Pizza and Coffee for yeah. the 1973 double bill. Yeah. Yeah. The amazing movie, not called Kofi. That's cool. And then the last thing we will just quickly mention is we are hosting the Ottawa premiere of a movie called Bloody Oranges with thanks to the International Film Fest of Ottawa. They're putting on this mm. show. It's a midnight movie, and I hope in the oh. future we do more midnight movies with them. Maybe next year they'll have more of that type of thing. This movie is a dark social satire from France Wow! that is supposedly, from the little blurb, very much a midnight weird movie. So it's kind of cool that they're doing that with us. Like, it's literally playing at midnight? It's 11.30. Okay. But well, it's... <laughs> but it's Got a short film in front of it, so it'll, okay. be, it'll be close. All right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not quibbling semantics no. <laughs> here. Just curious. <laughs> Boo. Oh, jeez. I ruined it already. But yeah, they're doing other things if you're in Ottawa at the Bytown and somewhere else in town. Like, like, like Club Saw or something? Yeah, or? Club Saw or somewhere, Arts Court, somewhere like that. Those all sound right. But this is the folks who put on the amazing animation festival mm. here in town. So I'm sure this will take off as well. And it's cool because then we have a live action and a animation fest in the same year from the same group of people. So that's pretty cool. So the OIFF, is that what it is? It's Ottawa the International. IFFO. Oh, geez. So International it's... Film Fest Ottawa. Okay, so it's not WAF. I was <laughs> yeah. not, okay, so forget that. It's not that. They probably went through the same thing when they were naming themselves. Wait, should we be this? Should we put the O first? No, put the O later. They said the wrong acronym on the podcast. <laughs> You're fired. Oh, jeez. So don't forget to uh, check out the WAF Festival yeah. <laughs> or, this, or something. It's it's fine. It's fine. If you're looking for more information on them, it's just iffo.ca. Iffo. Ifo. Okay. And if you're out of That's town, they're doing those online screenings as well. Oh, since is. we're still tiptoeing away from the age of lockdowns and COVID and all that stuff. Okay. So it's pretty close. They just, they reverse the order. It's yeah. Ifo instead of WAF, yeah. which is actually not that. <laughs> it is kind of fun to say. I'm not going to lie. You're going to wake up at night <laughs> screaming that. Ah, we got to get tickets to WAF. <laughs> okay. So that is our movies for the week of March 18th through 24th. 
2022 will wrap things up for the week. We'll be back next week to talk about the Oscars. Next yes. week, we're hosting the Oscar ceremony. It's happening. It just sort of crept up on me after all this. Yeah. Last year was the first year in a decade that I wasn't here watching the Oscars, Man. that I watched at home. Not as fun to watch at home. Very sad. <laughs> Not as fun. <laughs> yeah, too sad for Judge. So thanks for listening, everybody. You can find us online at mayfairtheater.ca. We're on all the social media. And we'll see you soon in the cinema to watch a movie. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the Mayfair Theater Podcast. Bye. Bye. Oh, supposedly it came out that Bruce Willis may have dementia. And that's why he's been having difficulty acting. So we're kind of monsters for all that. We'll not make fun of you anymore, Bruce. We're sorry. No, we're good people. We like you. My name's Coffee. Coffee. Black and stacked and packed with fury with both barrels zeroed in on the mob's top killers this is the end of your rotten life you dope pusher coffee where the action is there coffee is coffee godmother of them all the baddest one chick hit squad that ever hit town coffee